far, the message has been very clear. I think when things are repeated on a pattern, it's like God really wants us to understand that to be a successful, successful king who can maximize power and freedom, it matters. One thing matters. Not what, not what you look like, how much money you have, how sm- smart you are, but what God thinks of you. Okay, turn to the person next to you and, and tell them, it matters what God thinks of you. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's how we see a pattern. That's how you either became a great, powerful king or a failure and just a curse upon the land. So, so far, three things we learned about being king that God approves, that God supports and, and, and empowers, right? Number one, from King David, is the one who has a heart after God. King David is a standard of this, right? And, we, and I explained how his heart wasn't something given. He developed it, right? So you guys going through hardship, fighting trials and temptations, that's all part of the process of you forming a heart so you can fully reign in this life and not be reigned. You don't want to live as a slave, right? We are born into sin as a slave, but God wants, he already set you to be a ruler as he is, to, to rule in the righteousness of his kingdom. So King David, how did he do it? He worshiped, he prayed, he fought the battles because he was longing to be a man who was sought to inquire God's heart and then obey. Obedience is the key to being a king that God supports and empowers. Second one we talked about last week was the importance of being vigilant. How it's not how you start. It's not how you believed in Christ, but how you stay believing in Christ and how you end that journey, right? So a king's uh, responsibility comes with the power and freedom, and he cannot succeed unless his faith is put, placed on active. Last week we saw King David himself have the greatest fall at one time that he just decided, I'm not going to fight this war. I'm going to let my people do it. And then he fell into sin, and you saw what happened in that story. And then finally, the thing that we're going to talk about today is the importance of understanding and engaging in spiritual battle. That to be a king in this life, as King David was, you cannot do it with your army. In fact, the army of Israel was vastly outnumbered by the enemies. But what they had was they had the help of the Holy Spirit. So you, each one of us, have to learn how to fight with the Spirit and, and by the Spirit, okay? So turn to your neighbor one more time and say, let's fight the spiritual battle. Come on, yeah? Let's do it. It's true, it's true. Because I'll tell you the answer now. Unless you're fighting it, you're losing, right? You're, you're, you, are, you are a captive, you are a slave unless you understand how the Holy Spirit is working and to cooperate with the Spirit, just like we saw in, in, our, in our passage. So I'm really excited about this. And again, this Thursday, I'm going to focus the discussion on the spiritual warfare and spiritual reality of Christians. Um, all right, here we go. So the entire history of the kings of Israel in the three books illustrates the truth that people's destinies are determined by one factor, right? Pleasing God by doing good or not pleasing God by doing evil in the sight of the Lord, right? Not judged by what the people say, what the media say, but what does God say about your life? That's how you either succeed or you actually end in sorrow, right? So here it is. So King David, again, is a standard. And every king that came after them, about 30, 40 kings, in the scripture, you're going to see this phrase over and over. Here's an example. One king named Asa, his name was Asa, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord 
as his father David had done. First Kings, right? So you see, King David keeps on appearing. God is like, that's the image. That's the idea. That's how you're going to conquer. That's how you're going to live victoriously and powerfully. And he was an example of a good one. And what about Abijah, who was another king who was a bad king? This is what he said. He committed all the sins his father had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David, his forefather, had been. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by raising up a son to succeed him and by making Jerusalem strong. So how important that was when David, he touched God's heart, right? And, and, King, and the Lord said, this is how the future of this nation and all the kings following will be. So we have to see in ourselves, too, the characteristic that King David had is the way that we'll go forward. Last week, we wanted to talk about Solomon, but ran out of time. But Solomon, directly uh, King David's son, who took over after he passed away, he says, As Solomon grew old, his wives, which were 300 and 700 concubines, turned his heart after other gods. Okay, as a, tradi- as a culture of the king, God allowed, let them be a king, right? A king in, the, in that time typically had multiple, multiple wives and all these things. That's okay, but the thing is that he somehow, as he started out okay, King Solomon, he was, he was a man after God's own heart, but he didn't end well, right? And here it explains why. And he says, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David his father had been. And this is where the history of Israel becomes very, very sad. Right? Very soon, right after that, God, what God warned Solomon, he clearly knew the, the, the consequence of his action, but he is, his sin allowed, caused the, the nation of Israel to be divided, right? The divided to the north and the south. The northern kingdom was taken over by Jer- uh, Jeroboam, who was actually not a son of Solomon. He was an official in the army. He took over and 10 tribes sided with him. And then King Solomon's son, Rehoboam, was the one on the, in the south who only had Judah and Benjamin. Two um, uh, tribes got remained. And then forever, this never changed. This divided kingdom continued, and the war just continued on and on. Civil war went on. It was only for the sake of David that God didn't completely just press delete on the whole nation and start all over again. He allowed Jerusalem and in the tribe of Judah and Benjamin to remain. Okay, so... Now, the verdict about all the kings that came after him is very clear. This is what the verdict is. Here it is. It's a list of all the kings, the northern kingdoms, right? Starting from the official Jeroboam and the southern kingdom with all Rehoboam and his kids. And you can see the, uh, the judgment, or, or should I say the, 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 how the summary of their life. And as you can see, the northern king, they had zero good king. Everyone after Jeroboam decided, I'm going to do what the heck ever I want. Whatever I feel, what I see, what I think, what I feel, what I do. And it, you read it, and it's just horrible, right? God was so angry. These guys did so terrible things. Southern kings, okay, they had like, what, four good kings? How many? One, two, three, four, yeah, and then four like so-so. So as you can see, the, the history of Israel is very sad, right? In fact, um, the rest of the scriptures, this is the Old Testament. So far, we've done the Torah, the five. We've done the historical. We're at Second Chronicles. And then next, we're going to do the wisdom. Next month, we'll do the wisdom and then come back to Ezra. And then do you see the list of names in the green, right? There's 39 books in the Old Testament, but 17 of those are prophets' letters to the nation of Israel. I didn't know this until I read this again, but 
about a half of the Bible is basically God sending prophets to tell the kings, hey, Inguan, stop doing that. If you're going to do that, God says this, this is the right way, and then prophets did miracles, and then the kings decided, eh, whatever, and then they suffer, people suffer, blah, blah, blah. Can you believe that the whole Old Testament is God yearning with these kings and this nation? Can you please stop killing people? Can you stop offering sacrifices, your, your children as sacrifices? Can you stop worshiping these gods of the foreigners who I don't want to describe, but they're very vulgar? Can you just do what is good? Can you love your neighbors? Can you treat your workers right? Everything that we think is right, as we go through prophets, we'll talk, we'll talk about what the message was, but that's the entire Old Testament. God wrestling with these kings and saying, can you just do what's right? And we know the story, they don't do what's right. In fact, God, in the end, decides to wipe out, uh, first of all, in, in the year 700 BC, he takes the entire northern kingdom and brings the Assyrian empire and completely removes them. The whole home is done. The whole nation, imagine like China comes and takes over Hawaii. There's no Hawaii. It's like all of us were moved to China. That's exactly what happened to northern kingdom in 700. And then 500, 600 Babylonian happens to southern kingdom. And then that punishment, right, it was restored again near Jesus' time, but then again later we'll see that it was completely gone. And today this is what Israel looks like. This is a modern-day picture of Israel. This is Israel, but you, you guys all hear about Gaza Strip, uh, West Bank, um, the Palestinians uh, rust, uh, wrestling right now, the Jerusalem the, where the temple was is divided in four pieces. So Israel, to this day, is suffering from the idea of not pleasing, not doing what God is asking them to do. You know, I, I want to show you guys the comparison here to the, to the scale. You see the, where Israel is, the land they have now, where they are. The area that you see in color is kind of what actually God originally gave to Israel, to Abraham, right? It's vastly, like, they got ripped off, right? What Israel has now is like they're barely hanging on, right? That's what happens when we, taking the power that God has given us, taking the authority God has given us, and submitting it to who? Not to God, but to our own flesh and to sin. And this is kind of a physical representation of what, what our life is like, right? God has given us, through Christ, the ability to overcome the flesh, overcome every spiritual power, to walk as kings, to walk in the fullness of God, to walk in the image and the beauty, glory of God, lacking nothing, but a lot of times in the spirit, just like Israel suffered, we suffer the same sad story in our lives. Struggling unnecessarily, being defeated when we have victory. So question you have to ask yourself, oh, Pastor Ingo, then what can I do? How can I fight? And that's what I want to talk about in, the, in today's passage. So today's passage starts by the similar situation, right? We can put ourselves in the spirit, in the spiritual uh, circumstance, right? King Jehoshaphat, in the middle of this sad story, in the middle of this, you know, horrible, just... Uh, just record of, this is like the dark ages of Israel's nation, right? But in the middle of it, today we get a one kind of rare exception where suddenly God appears and there's like great hope and celebration. This is like one of the few opportunities and it happens with a name, king named Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles in our passage. This is what happened. 
One day, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, that's the north. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed the fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. I don't know if you noticed here, but this is something beautiful that Jehoshaphat did. It's not the first time that enemies came. It's not the first time that bad stuff came into your life. It's not the first time you sinned, right? But something different about Jehoshaphat, every other king, they decided, you know what? Okay, either run, either make treaty, either give in, or either try your best. But King Jehoshaphat decided, no, no, no. We are a people of God. Let's not forget God in our situation. And he decides, let's call a prayer meeting. And not only him, but he says, let's all fast and let's repent before God. Let's come before God and seek, Lord, what must we do? I don't have to tell you the story. You already know what happens. He made the right choice. When your life is like that, being enslaved, being in trials and and unnecessary suffering and just darkness, right? The answer is not found in, you know, what can I figure out? It's let's go before the Lord and seek his face. So the next verse he says, our God is he's praying. He says, will you not judge these enemies that are coming against us? Because Edomites were actually the ones that when Joshua and the Israelites first came into the land, they showed mercy to them. But now they're, you know, breaking their treaty and coming against them. So he says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. King Jehoshaphat was not a, just a, a blind, you know, you know, uh, Optimist, he was a realist. He realized we're going to surely be taken over, right? So he says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In that moment, there was a repentance in King Jehoshaphat. He realized, God, we don't want this to be another punishment for our sin, but we're putting our trust in you. And what does God say in response to that? He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. See, friends, this is what happens when you pray. This is what happens when you turn your heart and you decide for maybe just even a second in your life, or maybe just one day, one hour in your life, and you say, God, I am so sorry. I am living not according to you, your ways, your heart. I'm living according to my own heart. I'm living according to my own sin, and I have given up. But right now, God, I am asking you for your guidance. And the Lord says, thank you for opening that door, and I'm going to come into your world, and now I'm going to take your problem and make it my problem. So he stands between you and whatever army is coming and says, Ingwan, you don't have to fight. Thank you for inviting me into your life. Thank you for seeking me. Thank you for calling upon my name. I am here. Now you, take, you sit down. Let me fight. And then he says, you will not have to fight this battle. In the natural, it doesn't make sense. There's an army right now with real swords that are about to chop my head off. And God says, you don't have to fight. Take up your position and stand firm. Just stand and see the deliverance. Who? The Lord himself will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face him tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. 
that's an interesting phrase. We've heard that phrase before, right? This is why God was so sad when the people asked for a king because they wanted to replace God's place as the one who fights and as the one who uh, uh, brings a blessing to trust in a man and to put all of their, submit all of their will to this one man. But then in this moment, when the king rightfully chooses to say, God, we are depending on you, God says, thank you for your faith. I am going to come in and now fight on your behalf. That's the reward, again, of prayer. Okay, that's the reward of us putting our faith in the middle of a world where, again, we're constantly in battle. Like I said, unless, you, unless you're fighting, you are losing in this battle because the enemy, the vast army, will not stop coming to us until the day that Jesus, for once and for all, puts an end to the fight. But anyhow, what this... Jehoshaphat do in the, in the middle of this promise, he could have at this time said, you know what, God, I thank you, but I'm going to have a plan B. I'm going to make sure, though, that I'm responsible and I'm doing, no, no, this is what he does. Jehoshaphat believes the word of God and it says he bowed down with his face to the ground and along with his leadership as an example, right? He's the one that's supposed to set the tone. All the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohatites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Now, here comes the real test. Here comes the day after. The day after... He says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out of the, ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They're giving thanks to God even before it, they saw it because they are trusting in God and they were saying, God, we need your help in our situation. Now, the rest of the story, very graphic, but very powerful in how not one of the army was left and they were all killed by who themselves the israelites literally had to do nothing but stand and see god fighting on their behalf there's an interesting verse that i found right before jehoshaphat he he actually had a father the father that we mentioned asa he was actually one of the good kings and this is what the lord told him in his life in a couple chapters before he says for the eyes of the lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him the lord is looking throughout the earth to find is there anyone is there any person who is fully committed to him he's going to strengthen that means he's going to manifest God is here, but you cannot see him. It's like God is working, but it feels like he has nothing to do with you, right? Unless your heart is fully committed to him, then God's like, hello, I'm here. What would you like to do? That's what we saw in the life of King Jehoshaphat, a moment of faith, a moment of decision where he found that putting his trust in the Lord as a king. When you follow the Lord, will of the Lord, that is when he comes in and he shows himself strong. You know, it would have been awesome if this was not an exception, but it was the norm. It could have been. Imagine if every king did, with, did what King Jehoshaphat did, that whenever trials or temptations or army came, he didn't, they didn't just like, you know, do what they're used to or what their people tell him, but they would seek the Lord. This beautiful imagery of God completely 
making a way, right? God stepping in, taking on your trouble as his own and dealing with it on your behalf. If that was not an exception, I couldn't find other examples. There's probably three times in the entire hundreds of history of the nation of Israel will this happen. But what if that was the majority? Same thing in your life. If your life was not a story of how you suffered and how things don't work out, but how every time, right, there's an opportunity, you win and win and win. The principle is the same. The same way that the, that the Lord in his eyes deemed a king righteous or not is the same way that, and, and he decides to show his power in them is the same way he's with us. So therefore, though it was a rare story, today's story in Jehoshaphat's uh, life, the King Joseph is reminded that there's a way to live in this world that is full of unending battles, that there is a way of guaranteeing our win instead of loss every time. Okay, you heard that? There's a way that in our life we can win every time, right? And King Jehoshaphat became an example, a proof of that. Because as we saw in the life of King David and King Jehoshaphat, it's about learning to live in God's approval. The thing that we said in the beginning, that that is what determines your loss or your victory in your life, is do you have God's approval in your life? Learning, right? Again, the heart of obedience is not something you can just create. It's something that's formed through trial and trial again and again. So before we are concerned with God's with the approval of any human being that we're so used to, it's time that we repent and say, no, I'm going to seek God's approval first. So let's shift the gear and, and put the focus on our lives, right? As I mentioned, right, this story of talking about these old dead kings is important because today you and I are the kings in God's kingdom. Why? As I explained, God, we are the kings that God has chosen to redeem out of the kingdom of darkness and the sin in this world through Jesus. See, here's the thing, right? Those that don't know Jesus, they're still slaves. They have no way out of their circumstance. But there's a reason why you and I are delivered. And it wasn't just for salvation and forgiveness. Something more. He gave us a new identity and a new position. And he gave us a new arsenal of power and authority. But the question is, do you know how to use it? Right? Do you know how to live in it? Or are you like King Jehoshaphat? He knew. He realized, you know what? I'm a king. But there's something that I have that the other nations don't have. I have the name of Yahweh. I can call upon the God of Isaac, Isaac, Isaac and Jacob. And he did. In the same way, so for us, whether you like it or not, you're not just a regular person. You are a, a, a child of a king, king of the universe. You are a citizen of heaven, and we have the power and the authority as Jesus said, you, this is something that you already have to overcome every demonic power and spiritual forces that we're going to see later. But the question is, do we live in that? Or do we know how to fight? There's something that I want you to understand. In the story of King Jehoshaphat, what made him win and be powerful as a king was the move of the Holy Spirit. If you take that story of King Jehoshaphat and you take out the move of the Holy Spirit... It's a sad picture. The vast army would have just eaten up Israel, and the history of Israel would have been nothing. But one thing made a difference. Poor little small nation of Jehoshaphat and, and the Israelites, but then God stepped in, and he made all the difference. It's time that we have to learn how to fight with the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit. 
The, thank God the battles that we fight as, as in the kingdom of God today is not physical. No one here can ever say, God told me to go and take real weapons and like bloodshed. No, that's just, no, we, 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 we will first of all call 911 on you. But today we're fighting a battle that's just as real and even more powerful and even more, how should I say, things are hanging in the battle. It's even more, more important, but it's a spiritual battle. And again, like I said, if we're not fighting it, we are losing it. Because we are, it's almost like we're in the army, we're generals in the army, but we don't realize I'm a general. So what's happening to our people, it's, it's a chaos. Sometimes evil is reigning and running around in our life, and we're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? When we realize we have the weapons in that time. So again, this Thursday, in fact, I'm going to uh, set apart Thursday. When I come back, Thursday is going to develop into a weekly uh, gathering, a prayer, slash it's going to be spiritual training. So if you want to be equipped in the spirit to, to use all of your powers, all of your gifts and, and, and authority in the spirit, Thursday we're going to train. And actually we're going to practice that. We're going to go actually out as a spirit. We're going to learn just how awesome living with the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit is. That's Thursday night, just to letting you guys know. So when I come back in about a couple weeks, I'm going to talk about that more. But this Thursday, at least this Thursday, we're going to talk about why, physical, why spiritual battle is so important for us. So here it is. So just like God intervened by His Spirit in the history of Israel to those that sought God and relied on Him, He's doing the same thing today to those who follow Him and have hearts after Him and trusting and seeking Him being a powerful king, whether you have a, a, a physical kingdom or spiritual kingdom like us, is directly affected by your relationship with God in the spirit. So you can't tell me, you know, Pastor, I'm, 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 having a, I'm, I'm one of the greatest Christians I know if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is or how to live by the spirit. So here it is, Romans 8, in verse 12, verse 14, Paul says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters... We have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. There's a two clear path. Once you believe in Christ, before you knew Christ, all you had was the flesh. All you had was this world. Whatever this world dealt, the cards that were dealt to you, that was your destiny. But when you believe in Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is, is the one that's alive and bringing life to us. The Holy Spirit gives you a second option, right? And then in, in uh, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 6, it's not Galatians 6, sorry. Ephesians 6, 11, 12, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There it is. We're not fighting against other people, other human beings, but we're fighting for, against the spiritual forces that are ruling, that are reigning over that person and trying to reign over our lives. There's so much that we have to understand, right? As, Paul, as Peter says, we have to crave spiritual milk. And, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians to not be ignorant about the gifts of spirit, right? But here's the thing. I want to make it to where you guys can understand and realize just how 
how real you're already in a spiritual battle. I want to show you guys in Galatians chapter 5 how what the spiritual warfare look like. Like if, like if we can point out, you know, and say in the physical, ah, this is where spiritual warfare is happening. How can you prove it? How can you, how can you detect, right? We try to detect, you know, COVID viruses doing the testing. What is the testing, right, that we can do to know, am I winning in the spirit or am I losing the spiritual battle? Here it is. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Right there. It's part of your faith in Jesus. You're already free. You, oh, you have the name of Jesus. You, you are already seated in heavenly places. You are a new creation. But the idea is this. We have the danger where he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. There's an option for all of us with all of the power and authority we have. Instead of seeking God and obeying him and following him, we have every power and authority now as Christians to say, ah, I will do what the flesh wants. I will do what the sin wants. That's where the battle is, right? The battle is, it's not a physical thing. The battle is between the two years. Right here in your mind, where your heart lies, where your will is, that's where the battle is. And we can either win and say, you know what, I'm going to live for Christ or I'm going to live for the flesh. So, the, so Paul right there in this verse gives us the uh, answer right away. He says, rather serve one another humbly in love. That is the proof. How do I know that I am winning in the kingdom of darkness? Love. Love is the proof of your victory in life. When you find it difficult to live serving others, being humble, living in the love that Christ showed us, you can be sure right now, that your guard is down, that you are actually sliding back and the enemy is bombarding your, your camp, stealing from you and hurting you, and you have given up. The battle is decided in our decision to say, no, with all authority and power I have, I choose not to indulge myself, my flesh, but to serve in love that God has given me. So here you go. He continues in the, in the same chapter. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh will never go away. The temptations will never go away. The sin, your ability to sin will still be with you until Jesus comes. But so will the opportunity for you to say, to make a choice and say, I'm going to walk. I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm going to live by the Holy Spirit. For the flesh, here's the battle. Here's the spiritual battle. Here it is. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. It's going to be night and day. It's not like I think I'm following God. I, I, I don't think I'm. No, it's night and day. It's going to be obvious for us. And they're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So this is obviously a lot of language describing what, what the, all the kings in, in, in the Israel, this is what they faced, except that their consequence was real bloodshed and, and their obedience required actual bloodshed, right? And fighting and, and defending physically. But they were desiring one thing, what they wanted, what they saw was better for themselves, the temptations, but God was saying, follow my lead. And if you're like King David and you chose the right thing, you will succeed and you, 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 you'll be a blessing to all the nations. But if you let go, reject the word of God, the consequence was the same. Therefore, Paul closes this chapter by listing two things. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Here's the COVID test for your spirit, okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, 
hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. There's so many things, but what it says is, how do I know that I'm losing in this battle, that I'm just being a slave? The flesh is active. And the acts of the flesh, the sin, is obvious. He didn't even finish the list because it's so obvious. Something within you says, this is not the way. Not the way. And he says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just like the kingdom of God today in Israel is tiny and they didn't inherit the rest. Same thing for us. Just because you're a Christian does not mean, oh my gosh, I'm in heaven. No, how do you know? You got to fight till the end and see. This is a COVID test for the spirit. But then it says, but the fruit of the spirit. Okay, so if I know that that's not where I want to be, if I want to be winning in my life, he says, it's love, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Meaning, you want to be perfect, that's how we can overcome the demands of the law, the restrictions of the law. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Another reminder of our need to live in love with one another. Friends, I know you know this enough, but understand, it's something none of us here wants to say, you know, Pastor, I want to be full of the flesh. I, want, I just want to be full of these things in this life. No one, no one says that, right? We all want the spiritual things. But it's so difficult because this is not achieved by your morals, by your effort. Just like King Jehoshaphat had no chance against the enemy. Just like King David, he had no chance against Goliath. But what made it different in their life when they sought the Lord was God stepped in and said, I'll fight for you. My question to you is this, is that in your life, do you experience that? That God says, Ingwan, I'm pleased with you. You have my approval. I'm going to take care of it for you. That should be the norm. That should be the basic Christianity, not this like going back and forth in flesh and spirit and just being like tossed around. God wants to say, I want you to be who you are, a warrior or a kingdom. I want you to be a king, and I want you to be overcomer. I'm going to give you guys one uh, example of uh, how this spiritual battle by the spirit of the flesh works in our lives. Um, uh, let me do that before here. Before I do that, I'm going to talk to you guys about 2 Corinthians 10, 3, verse 5. This is one of the verses that talks about um, how, this is one of the verses that most clearly describes what spiritual warfare is like for us. He says, Paul says this, For though we live in the world, in the flesh, right, we do not wage war as the world does. How does the world do it? They gather resources, they practice, they, they hire people, they, you know, it's all human effort. That's not how we're going to win, guys. That's not how we're going to win the spirit. It says the weapons we fight are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, the weapons that we have have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and here it is. This is a spiritual warfare. How do I live in the spirit and not in the flesh? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The battle, again, is right here in your thinking. The truth of God. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is here. What did he say? Repent. Change your mind. 
What does the truth do? The truth brings you the, the power, the truth, the knowledge that you need to say, ah, this is what I need. The truth gives you freedom because the battle is here. The thoughts that we have, how does the enemy keep winning in your life? You have to know what kind of thoughts are ruling in your life. That's how the enemy gets into your life. And when the, when the ideas become arguments and pretensions, it becomes a stronghold. The enemy has residence in your life and he rules in your life starting because of thinking. The only thing that can change our mind is the word of God, right? King Jehoshaphat in that moment, right? If before he decided to pray, had all the advisors, all the kings, even the northern tribes coming and saying, you know what, King Joseph, we got you. We'll take care of it. Let's have a, our own army. Let's just have our own alliance. He would have never had the chance to hear the word of God and to obey. Friends, why do we pray? Because we want to hear the words of God. We want the mind of Christ. Why do we need to give God our time? Because the Lord has to counsel us so that our minds are not building the kingdom of the evil one, but our minds and our thoughts, what we desire, are forming the, the ideas of God. Finally, here it is. What's the result of this spiritual battle? This is a beautiful thing. This is how our passage ended. It says, The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. I pray that this is, again, the norm for your life, that whenever enemies come against you, you'll be found that when you start praising God and seeking him, the Lord fights for you. And what's the result of that? It says, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. How do I know I am winning in the spirit? There is peace and there's rest in my life. Because why? I don't have to fight it. God is with me. He's doing the fight. That is what the Lord wants us to experience in this life. Doesn't mean your circumstance is gonna change. Doesn't mean the enemy is gonna stop attacking you. The temptations are going to get stronger, trials will come, but the peace and the rest will increase in your life. I want to close with this uh, demonstration. So the idea is, uh, can I have uh, Gene or, or, or Sam come, from, come, come front? Can you guys come to the front? One, one of you guys, Kai Bible. Okay. Uh, Sam, you feel it? Okay. No, not, no, no, Sam, you come here. I, li I like your, uh, he, he, his butt came off the chair first. So stand right here. So the question is this. This is my friend Sam here. Now, as I said, right, whether we know it or not, we're kings, right? He has freedom, he has power. I have freedom, I have power. It's different. I live in 1333 Keolu. That's my domain. You live where? 1660 Keolu. 1660 Street, right? And you have different powers. I have different powers. I have different gifts. It has different gifts. In the world, right, the way that a human being increases their power is very simple. Through the flesh, right? Uh, Either I get really angry and scare him, right, making the, or I use the power of money and say, Sam, I'm going to employ you, and I'm going to bind you to this agreement, so you're going to work under me, right? I'm going to be in control of your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then, um, you know, uh, I'm going to make you a slave. So everything that you, the work that you do, I'm going to take 80%, okay? So the world, the, where, the way that the world's kingdom grows is through the ways of the flesh, right? Greed and, and idolatry and all these things of manipulation. So the only way I can take his power and, and, and his domain is I have to take it from him. Does that make sense? You've all experienced that. You've all been part of that, right? How you guys, you know, if you want to destroy someone, you, you talk about it, bad slander and all these kind of things. So we understand how the world does it, right? But how can we as Christians now by the Spirit do it? It's very simple. First of all, it starts with me. I repent of my flesh, and as I follow the Holy Spirit, I find other people in my life, and I ask Sam, 
would you follow Jesus Christ? Yes? Okay, great. Um, would you come to a prayer meeting on Saturday with us? If you wake up, yeah? Okay, good. Okay. Well, you're, you're at church. Would you like to join praise team? And so now, without me having to take over, right, abuse him and to uh, uh, steal from him, kill from him, right, I can now join power in the unity that we have, in the sharing, in the decision to walk in the kingdom together. Now, the kingdom, my kingdom has, my kingdom, which is kingdom of God, has expanded. So every time as Christians we come together, there's something powerful happening, that the kingdom of God is growing. How is that going to grow? Not by my own efforts, but as we come together and pray, the same spirit that works in us is now the same spirit. The kingdom now that he has, the power that he has, authority that he has, is the same authority I have. Today, in that agreement, the kingdom of God has expanded. So all of us have the influence wherever we go to say, to help people by the way of love. First of all, all of those answers came because I've, acted in love towards him. Not, not right now, but right, Sam, I've been pretty good to you, right? Serving you, feeding you, you know, all these kind of things, right? So those works of, works of love is the way that opens the door for him. Let's say that he never knew Christ, but, but it came to the decision of repentance, changing that mind. Now he has allowed, become an instrument of expanding the kingdom of God. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Sam. So friends, so I, I want to call our church, right, to that place of expanding the kingdom of God. It's not going to be just by yourself, but it, whenever you come two or three together and you start saying, you know what, brother or sister, how can we fight, how can we follow the Holy Spirit together? In that moment, that's when the Lord shows up and he's able to do his work in, the, in this place. So again, I want to close by asking you the question right now, how are you practicing living in and by the Holy Spirit? Ask yourself this question, where am I being trained so that I can win the spiritual warfare in my life, right? Because I think all of us probably spend a lot of time trying to improve ourselves in, in, the, in the natural, right? We try our best to overcome the flesh. But God is saying, I want to take, I want to I supercharge your life by my presence in your life. So as the praise team comes up, um, we're going to... Um, Take a moment to just to close your eyes in this time and, and pray together with me. I want to give us a chance today in our own hearts to say, Lord, help me to repent. Show me, Holy Spirit, where I have lived according to the flesh and I have denied the life of living by the Spirit. Friends, all of those kings that we saw today that failed, they all had the same opportunity, but they never took the chance. So this is an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity for us to say, oh God, lead me to true repentance. And Lord, and, and after we pray that, it's now, God, how can I partner with other kings in this life so that the kingdom of God that you have shown me can expand? Lord, teach us how to live in the love, how to humbly serve one another in love. So make that commitment today in your heart. Ask the Lord, Lord God, help me to repent from my living according to the flesh and now teach me how to live by the Spirit. What it takes is obedience, learning to obey the Lord. Before you can obey the big things in life, it's the small things. 
It's a small attitude, small decisions. It matters. Things that you take, decisions in your life that you take for granted, just submit to that and say, Lord, I want to ask you to teach me how to live in love, how to not indulge myself in the spirit, in my flesh, but to live by, by serving humbly in love to others, God. So teach me how to win in this warfare. So can we all stand together in this time as I pray? Lord, here we are. Uh, we are people who believe in you. We are people who you have called and you have opened our eyes to that fact that you are real. But Lord, we don't want to live our lives continually stuck in the flesh, feeling like you're far away, Lord God, feeling like we are left to ourselves. But we want to experience the God who's living God, who's working and fighting on our behalf. So let it begin today by the repentance of our hearts, simply admitting, Lord, that we have been living according to our flesh. We indulge in the acts of the flesh. We repent of this, God, and we decide, Lord God, give us the moment to decide today. Lord, we choose the Holy Spirit. Lead us by the Holy Spirit in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray.